Well, good morning again. It's good to see all of you and guests. Thanks again for being here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, my name's Tim. I get to be the lead pastor, and right after the service through these four metal doors, uh, we have free coffee and cookies, and uh, I'll be out there greeting and would just love the chance to thank you for being here uh, and answer any questions that you may have. Um, Today, as you heard from Christian, we're continuing a series of messages that we started a couple weeks ago called Forward, which is kind of a strategic time in the life of our church as we're looking at what it is that we believe God is laying on our hearts for the future of Shepherd's Gate. And uh, so if you are a guest this morning, it's a little bit different kind of a sermon series because we're specifically looking at a vision plan, the vision that we believe that he's laid on our hearts. And uh, so it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, uh, a peek behind the curtain, if you will. But the nice part about Shepherd's Gate is we're very open and we're a very honest and very transparent congregation. So it really gives you an opportunity to see who we are and what we believe God is leading us to do in the future. So it's a great time to be here today. And there's Kurt. Where did Kurt go? All right. Because my battery's about to die, so I was trying to figure out a transition. I was going to have you guys do something. Oh, I'm back to one bar, so this might last longer. Okay, all right, so uh, it's, been a, it's been an intense uh, couple of weeks, and I know that I've shared a lot of information with you. Oh, by the way, those of you that are joining us online, all of you in that new chat room, hope you're chatting with whoever you're chatting with. Uh, it's great to have you joining us as well. Uh, but I know it's been a, a, an intense couple of weeks, and there's been a lot of information um, that's been conveyed to you, so I thought today I'd give you a little bit of a break and start with a story. How does that sound? Um, This is a story from a book that someone gave me when I graduated high school many, many decades ago uh, that now I read to my kids, and it still has a pretty big impact on my life. Maybe some of you are familiar with this book called The Old The Places You'll Go. Anybody, this is a big part of your life. Um, So there's a couple things in this book that are kind of interesting. This one says, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. Think about that every single day. You're on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy who will decide where to go. Waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or the mail to come or the rain to go or the phone to ring or the... I I wasn't going to say it. I didn't want (laughs) to... Hopefully that's not actually the case. I keep hearing these rumors that we might be getting snow, right? How about this? Or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Think about this. Everyone is just waiting. You ever feel like that's us? We're just waiting. We're always in a big hurry. Some people are just in a big hurry to get to the next thing and the next thing, and they finally get to where they're at. And then the only thing that they're obsessed about is getting to the very next thing. They're not even enjoying the moment. So often in our lives, we're just running around from place to place, and we get there, and we end up just having to wait anyways. Are we really enjoying life? It's interesting. It says this, you'll get mixed up, of course, as you already know. You'll get mixed up with many strange birds as you go. Other people come into our lives. Isn't that interesting? How many of you, uh, you, you met some strange birds today already, right, on the roads on your way here? Is anyone sitting next to a strange bird this morning? Right. Some of you, you're scratching your head and you're going, I don't know if I know any strange birds in my life. And if you don't have any strange birds in your life, there's a good chance that you just may be the strange (laughs) 
bird. Sorry about that, but that's just the way it works. I mean, that's just how it is, right? But look at what it says. So be sure when you step, step with care and great tact. And remember that life's a great balancing act. Just never forget to be dexterous and deaf and never mix up your right foot with your left. And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and three-fourths percent guaranteed. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. That sound nice. You guys all ready to go climb a mountain? You all ready to just go do something that you've never done before to take on a new challenge in life? And we read these words and it brings back, hopefully for many of you like me, those, those memories from, from long ago and just the vision that we had for our lives. Isn't it interesting that when we were young and the whole world is ahead of us, we dream about all the places we'll go? I mean, think about it from your childhood. Oh, how often you would think about, oh man, when I get to this age or I get to this stage, I can't wait to be able to do this with my life or go and explore or try this or take on this challenge. But then what happens as life goes on? What is it where we lose kind of this sense of adventure, this sense of being on the go? And really it's just that life hits, doesn't it? We get all excited about leaving high school. We can't wait to get out of high school. And so we might go off to college or to a trade school and we find out that it's a lot more work than we anticipated. And so we're, we're studying and we're doing all the things that we need to do while simultaneously trying to keep a job and make sure everything's in place. And it's funny because as soon as we get through that stage of life, all of a sudden we meet somebody and we start planning for a wedding and we spend two years, some people spend two years planning a wedding, right? And everything just centers around that one day and we get married and now this whole new world opens up. And even as you saw today, two and a half years ago, two and a half years, and look, your whole life is changing all over again. And no matter where you're at in, in life, no matter what stage or season that you're in, just think about all of the different changes that we go through. And when you talk to people, people will say, man, I, I don't know how I did it before and I don't know how I do it now because we're just so busy. There's so many things vying for our attention and we're just trying to keep track of the things that are in our midst. And so sometimes it's hard to see the world around us. Sometimes it's hard to interact with the world around us because we have so much pressure at work and we have so much pressure at home and we have so much pressure with our spouse and we have so much pressure with our kids and then we're trying to maintain our social lives that it just becomes this big blur and we wake up every day just trying to survive the day instead of really just enjoying every single moment that God has given us. But yet, Jesus has called us to go. We've been looking at this the last couple of weeks. This is his command to the church. He has called us as followers of him because we believe it, that he's the one that has the answers in life. We don't have all the answers, but we believe that Jesus does, and we just want to introduce people to the person that has changed and transformed our lives, and his name is Jesus. And he told his disciples over and over again, these were his mission statements to his followers, that they are to go. And they are not only just to walk out their front door, that they're actually to go all over the world and to tell people this incredible message and the incredible peace and grace they can have in him. Jesus is the one that has called us to go. Now, if you're here last week, we looked at a very important, very strategic passage of Scripture, uh, one that I think is probably one of the most defining moments in Jesus' ministry as he has this interaction with the Samaritan woman. And again, Jesus went. He, he left Judea and he parted again for Galilee and he's passing through Samaria. And if you were here last week, you might remember me saying that Jesus didn't actually have to go to Samaria uh, Samaritans and, and the Jewish people, which is what Jesus was at the time, were in conflict with each other. 
In fact, the Jews considered Samaritans worse than dogs. They were the despised and the outcast people during this time. And I want you to think about the despised and outcast people of our time. If you could write on a piece of paper the people that you think are are the ones that people look down on the most and make fun of the most and say things and say insensitive things or treat people insensitively, what would be those people in our day and age? Because it certainly happens today just as it happened back then. But yet here Jesus is. He has to go through Samaria And he goes to this well because he's wearied, right? Because he's fully human and he understands what it means to be human. And he has this incredible interaction with a Samaritan woman that had a lot of history in her life. She struggled with marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce. She struggled with her relationships. In fact, she didn't have a lot of friends because she's out here in the middle of the day uh, getting water from this well so that no one would see her. And so she's kind of a loner and so she doesn't really have a lot of influence. Um, She's probably just dealing with a lot of insecurity. And here comes Jesus on this normal day and he sits down by this well and he engages her in simple conversation by asking her for a drink of water. And it's the woman that actually points out to Jesus that he shouldn't be talking to her. She's the one that points out that he's breaking the rules. And don't you understand that I'm a woman and you're a man and that you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we shouldn't even be in the same place, let alone having a conversation together. Yet Jesus is the one that values this woman so much that he's willing to give of his time and his energy and to have open and honest dialogue with her. Not to point out all of her sins, not to sit there and and, and rip apart her past, but to offer his grace and his mercy to her. And to say, you realize that God sent me to this earth for this very thing, to come in contact with you, that we could be sitting here today, that I could tell you the hope that you can have in me. That's how much I love you. And when they get done with their conversation, it's, inc- it's, inc- it's incredible to see that this woman is so moved that she goes from being an outcast, not only in the, in the Jewish uh, community's eyes, but an outcast even in her own community's eyes, going back to her community and sharing the hope that she just found in Jesus. And God uses her to influence her village and her town. In the same exact day. There are not many scriptures in in the Bible where you can look and you can see the impact that that, that Jesus has to this degree where he encounters somebody that everyone would think is hopeless and yet she becomes one of the major influencers in her day and age and in her time. See, he breaks down all of the the racial divides and all all um, all of the divides at the time in one interaction. In fact, Jesus ends up staying there for two more days in this town, in this village that you would never expect a Jewish person to be. Why would he stay there two more days? Because he valued them and he values every human being on this planet. So again, as I said last week, we have no idea how one moment might impact someone with the love of Jesus. One moment. But we have to be willing to slow down our hectic lives. We have to realize that we have to figure out how to hit the pause button and engage people that God has brought into our lives face to face and interact with them and then watch what God can do. And so last week, as as I uh, unveiled the first part of our vision statement, we said this, that Shepherd's Gate is going to be a church that will value everyone we meet. That this is what we're going to push ourselves to do. And yes, I am the the guy that says put down our cell phones, because I just believe we spend way too many uh, moments on these things, that we're going to put down our cell phones and that we're going to interact with people eyeball to eyeball the way that Jesus interacted 
with people. And last week and the week, and the week before, as I said, our goals for this whole thing is, right, we're asking God, we're praying the bold prayer, God, you can trust us and we want to be used to reach the 478,858 people in just Macomb County who on the 2010 census claim to have no faith in our area. Our mission field is huge. It's massive. And we said, how in the world does a church on 23 Mile in Shelby Township begin to figure out how to reach 478,858 people who don't have faith, who claim that they don't have faith? And we said, what if the people of Shepherd's Gate would just come up with a list of four people? What if for the next, think about this, five years, you and I came up with a list of four people? Maybe it's individuals. Maybe it's couples. Maybe it's somebody at work or it's a friend or it's a family member. It's somebody that lives down the street from us. Who are those four people that we can begin to pray and that we can begin to spend time with and that we can become great neighbors to simply by valuing them, by spending time with them? And maybe God would open the door for us to share our faith and share the hope that we have in Him. See, today we're going to look at another passage of Scripture where again we're going to find Jesus doing what He does. He, he, he's on the go and he's interacting with people and we're going to see how he interacts with yet another person at a real time in a real place. And so um, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. Uh, there's chair Bibles in the seat in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you downloaded the new Shepherd's Gate app, you can go on there. It'll take you actually right to the Bible passage as well as the sermon outline. And it's on page 861. but you're only allowed to use the Bible app if you're not checking your email. <laughs> Page 861, Luke chapter 5. Those of you that are watching online in the chat thing, you can hit there and it'll take you right to where the Bible passage is if you hit on the Bible tab in the bottom of the live stream. So Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 21 or in 27, it says this. After, he went, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. So let's stop there after the very first sentence because we've got to give some context to this. See, tax collectors at the time were actually Jewish. They were part of the Jewish community, but they were the most despised people in the Jewish community because they worked for the Roman government. The Roman government what was the ruling party at the time and so they found these people who were willing to defect almost to a certain degree, and they were willing to be the tax collectors. They would collect the taxes from the other Jewish people, and so they would set up these booths in strategic spots along travel routes so that everybody would have to pay taxes. And they were notorious for ripping people off. They were notorious for charging people more than they should so that they could increase their own wealth. So these tax collectors all were affluent as far as in their financial situation, and so here's Levi, he's one of these guys that has, you know, um, kind of succumbed to this position and nobody in his actual Jewish community, his family would have been ashamed of him. Here he is on a normal day doing what he always does. And the people that he hung out with were tax collectors, right? Those were the only people that would be friends with him because of the lifestyle that they chosen. What's interesting about tax collectors as well, I want you to think about this, is that uh, in a court of law, their testimony would never held, hold up. So they weren't even allowed to testify. Even if they saw somebody murdered, they wouldn't even be allowed to be a testa, uh, someone that would be able to testify in a court of law. And here's the other thing that people don't realize when you read stuff like this as a tax collector. Tax collectors were not allowed. They were, 
they were banished from even, from even worshiping in the tabernacles. So they weren't even allowed to go and to worship God. So think about that as you're reading this. Think about the people in our community who think that they would never, ever, ever, ever be accepted in this church. Who think if they came through the doors that we would judge them because of the way that they look or the way that they talk or because of their lack of Bible knowledge or because of this or because of that. Think of the people that come through the doors and think the walls would cave in because they think that you have to live to this certain degree or you have to have your life together in order to be accepted by a church. Who are the people in our community that feel that churches are just judgmental places and they're not places of love and mercy and grace? That's what we're dealing with in this passage and that's the life that Levi is living And look at what it says. Jesus says to him two words, follow me. Follow me. He doesn't go off on him. He doesn't tell him that what he's doing is wrong, even though it was. He doesn't tell him he's ripping people off. He doesn't tell him that you realize this insane life that you've been living. Very similar to the Samaritan woman, he says two words. He offers him grace, follow me. And look at what it says in verse 28. And leaving everything, which we're going to be looking at that word next week, leaving everything, he rose up and followed him. One encounter, one moment with Jesus. And we're not sure if this is his first encounter with Jesus. Uh, Most scholars would say that this was probably uh, um, one of several encounters that he had with Jesus, maybe not face to face, but certainly he would have known who he was and word would have gotten out and maybe he was part of some of his teachings up to this point because Jesus had done a whole lot of teachings in the surrounding area and yet something captures Levi's heart so much that he hears these words of Jesus and he's willing to give up his lifestyle. That he's willing to give up his livelihood. He's willing to give up everything and to follow Jesus. It's incredible. And then look at what he does next. This is really cool. Look at verse 29. Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And if you read this in the other gospel accounts, you find out that the others are actually called sinners. Imagine that. The tax collector would be hanging out with sinners. Right, and here they are. Jesus is valuing these people by going into their homes, by going to Levi's home, by being in community with them, by breaking bread. I mean, can you imagine the conversation at that table? I mean, sometimes we read this stuff, we just read it way too quickly. Imagine what that must have been like as they're conversing with one another. And here comes the religious leaders. Here come the people that think they have it all together. And in verse 30, the Pharisees and the scribes, these are the religious leaders of the time, they're grumbling. And they're not grumbling at Jesus because, you know, that would be, you know, you know too confrontational. They've got to be passive-aggressive about it. They're grumbling at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus, knowing what they're saying, Jesus, knowing the, the, the concern of their hearts, he answers them, those who are well have no need of a, of a position, but those who are sick I have not called to come the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And how does Jesus call sinners to repentance? By loving them. By valuing them. By spending time with them. By hearing their story. By getting involved in their lives. By taking time to pause and to value other people on this planet. And so if you were here last week, you know this. We said we're going to go after this, right? That we are going to value everyone we meet. And so today, 
is part two of this three-part vision statement. Today, we're saying not only are we going to value everyone we meet, but we are going to influence everywhere we go. And that's a big word for us, Shepherds Gate. It's been a big word this whole last year, and it's kind of interesting that it ended up being part of our five-year vision statement as we have asked you to own your influence over and over and over again. For the last 10 months, we've been talking about this and owning our influence. And now we're saying we are not just going to own our influence. We are going to figure out how to maximize the influence that God has given us with the people that we come in contact with every day. But we have to realize this, the only way we will ever influence anyone on this planet is first by valuing them, by guarding the words that come out of our mouths, by being honest about what's in our heart about people that don't look like us or act like us or behave like us, or maybe their family traditions are different than us, or maybe they decorate their house different than we do, like my neighbor across the street for Halloween, right? Or maybe it's uh, whatever the case may be in our homes and in our lives, we are going to value everyone we meet and we are going to influence everywhere we go. And so here's kind of our explanation for that. Everyone has influence. And our influence comes from God who calls us to share the love of Jesus with our world. We will be a church living out our influence at our church because it starts here. And then in our homes, in our workplaces, our schools, in our communities. See, we believe life change happens best in community when we're face-to-face And so we are going to passionately encourage everyone who calls Shepherd's Gate home, are you ready for this? Everyone who calls Shepherd's Gate home to connect around tables, whether they're big tables or small tables. Whether it's here on our campus and you're in a Bible study and so you're part of a community here at Shepherd's Gate and you're inviting people to come and to be part of that Bible study with you. Or it's part of our care program on Thursday night or it's part of our kids or our student programs that we have here at Shepherd's Gate, but it's going to go beyond just our campus It could happen in a coffee shop, or it could happen, believe it or not, in a brewery, right? We're the church with Bibles and brews. This Tuesday, Bibles and brews, it's been going on for close to two years. People from Shepherd's Gate and their friends are going to come together, and they're going to bring their Bibles. This is my favorite part, even though you have it on your phone. Most of the people that go to Bibles and brews, they bring their Bibles with them. So you can imagine the impact that that has. And it's really cool because there's two members that have now stepped up that said they want to lead Bibles and Brews. So it's not going to be staff-led anymore. And I'm so proud of these guys and their heart for the community and wanting to see this thing continue into the future. Everywhere we go. How about a winery? I don't know how many of you know this, but just this last Friday, our seniors, I want you to think about this, they sold out a winery, a local winery. They completely packed the place out and they ate and and they drank wine and they had a great time. And many of you were there. I can see you. You know how I know you were there? Because someone took pictures and posted it on the Shepherd's Gate Facebook page. (laughs) And there was people, and this was the best part, there was people in those pictures that I didn't recognize. And that, that made me say that there's people from Shepherd's Gate that are inviting their friends to come and socialize and be part of some of the people that you rub shoulders here with Shepherd's Gate. And then maybe they won't think that we're the odd birds anymore. Well, we are odd, but maybe they'll just think we're a little bit more normal and maybe that will lead to having a faith talk around tables, right? Or how about this? Those of you with kids, how about this? On a sports field. There's parents right now that I know that are live streaming this service. I know for a fact because they're at their kids' sporting events. And it's cool that they can stay connected. So those of you that are live streaming, that you're in the car because maybe it's raining or you're outside on the bleachers, think of the impact, the influence that you can have. How about this? At our kitchen table, 
Like Levi, there's some of you in here, you know how to throw a party. Some of you, God has gifted with the ability to cook. And you have an incredible dining room. And you have more tables, or you have more chairs than you even need at your dining room table. And have you ever thought that maybe those empty chairs are for people in your community, people in your neighborhood that you would invite to come and to sit and to fellowship with? Or how about this, our backyard, right? Because nobody hangs out in their front yard anymore. In fact, we've spent a whole lot of money building decks, right? We got some fancy Costco outdoor furniture back there. And if I were to come to your backyards, wouldn't that be cool if I just visited all your backyards? Some of you, I guarantee you have more seats in your backyard than you need for your family. And there's empty seats. There's human beings that could come and they could sit and you could fellowship with and you could interact with and you could get to know and you could value by simply getting involved in their lives. But here's the key for a shepherd's gate. This part has to be part of this whole equation. We have to be open and honest about our struggles. We don't have it all together. We're still trying to figure this out. We just believe that Jesus is the one that does have the answers. We believe he is the one that is leading and guiding us. And we're so grateful for his mercy and grace and that maybe we, maybe we could humbly share the hope that we found in Jesus. That that's what God would call us to do, church, moving forward. I want you to think about this. Knowing our community, knowing the stats that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, knowing just what we believe that God is laying on our heart, imagine a world where people are skeptical about what we believe. Because guess what? It's already there. They're already skeptical about coming in through our doors. They're already skeptical about what it is that we believe. Yet imagine if that they are amazed at how we treat everyone. Imagine that they become amazed. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I don't know if I believe what you believe, Shepherd. I don't know if I completely understand all the things that you do in your worship services. And I don't know if I completely understand you know, some of the things and the ways that in which you do things. But man, you guys really know how to treat human beings. You guys really value every single person. And when you say you value every person, that you really put it into action. That these aren't just words, that you actually live this lifestyle out. It's interesting because the, the winery that our seniors were at just this last Friday night, it's actually owned by um, two couples here at Shepherd's Gate who met at Shepherd's Gate. And uh, one of the owners, actually, he asked if I could uh, have lunch with him just a few months ago. And so we went and we had lunch, and he said, Tim, uh, we opened this because this was kind of a dream of ours, and we thought this would be really cool to do. But he's like, God just put something on my heart that I feel like this winery isn't just for us, and it's just not just a business to have and something fun to do on the side that God actually wants to figure out how we could use this as a place to connect people, that maybe there could be faith talks, that maybe we could get to know some people. And so we were talking about that and brainstorming about that, and it's not so that he can you know, make a profit or, or have people come during business hours. He's talking about doing something outside of his normal business hours and doing something outside of the normal days that they're even open. Like a heart that just says, okay, God, you've given us all of this stuff. God, how can we continue to influence those around us? I can tell you about my council meeting this last Tuesday night. So there's six members of the congregation that serve on the church council and to help steer and direct and guide the church. And one of the council members, she was all dressed up because she was leaving from the council meeting to go to a funeral because her 60-year-old neighbor suddenly passed away a neighbor that they've known for a very long time, a neighbor that they've had conversations with. And she just said it's crazy because now we know his wife and what his wife's going to go through and now we have an opportunity to come alongside of his wife and to invite her into our home and to spend more time with her 
and to let her know how much she's valued and she's loved by us. After she was done sharing, one of our other council members said, it's so crazy because I was just at a birthday party for my son. I planned this huge paintball birthday party. And so we go to this paintball place and the kids are out there and they're having a blast and there's this young man who had set the whole thing up and he just all of a sudden started opening up to me. And he starts sharing about his life. In fact, he had just lost his dad. And this guy's in his early 20s. He's like, I've never dealt with a death like this before and my family has a lot of issues and so they were putting a lot of this stuff on me and so I had to like figure out how to work with a, with a funeral home and death certificates and this and that. And she's like, man, it was actually kind of overwhelming because I just didn't even know what to say. And I said to this council member, I, I said to her, I said, do you realize that just being there and listening, just allowing him to, to share what's going on in his life, that you were valuing him? And while you were sitting there and listening to him, that you were actually impacting his life, that you were actually influencing him, that God had you there for a purpose, that he could share those, in, those details with you. See, you could have just said, oh, it's a little overwhelming, or you could have acted like you had something else to do, or you could have said, oh, my phone just rang, I got to go. No, you stood there, and you listened, and you valued him. See, the next service, there's actually 16 families that are going to be joining our congregation. Isn't that incredible? 16 new families. Which I'm always amazed. Every time, I'm amazed that people want to join our crazy church. I just think it's awesome. Um, and so we do new member interviews for everyone that wants to become part of the church. And so last week I got to meet with one of these individuals and she just happens to be a stewardess for Delta Airlines. Um, and uh, she's, been doing, uh, she's been doing this for over 10 years. And so I was, we began talking about the sermon series and valuing everyone. And she said, you know, Tim, I think the plane, I look at the plane as that's my opportunity to influence people's lives. She said, in fact, when I, when, I, when I get on the plane, I stand in a certain spot so that I can see every single person come on the plane and I try to catch eyes with them. And I purposely try to catch eyes with the people that I know that are grouchy. And I try to catch eyes with the people that I know are having a bad day. And, as, and if I say good morning or good afternoon or good evening, and the way that they respond, you can just tell. Because some people aren't nice out there, right? Some of us aren't very nice sometimes either. And she says, I make it my goal to connect more with them than anybody else on the plane throughout the flight of the trip. Think about this. And she said, this is, this is her goal by the end of the flight. She, everyone that she sees, and she goes, okay, there's four on this flight, or there's six on this flight, or there's eight on this flight. Her goal by the end of the flight is just to simply get them to smile. To get them to smile. And then she began to open up and she began to share about how just even having that as her goal, every time that she goes to work, the doors of opportunity that God has opened for her to share and to be there and to share encouraging words. She said one of the biggest things that she does is when they're done doing their cart service and they clean everything up, is that she'll go and she'll get extra cookies and she'll shove them in her pocket and she'll go and she'll remember the people that seemed like they wanted more food and she'll give them an extra cookie. And she said, you would believe that people think that you're giving them a million dollars by giving them an extra cookie. Man, think about that. Think about in view of your life and living in view of that. I tell you a story about last week when a guy in, the, in our congregation pulled me aside and he said, man, Tim, he goes, I got some advice for you about this whole thing. He goes, number one, don't ever get old. I was like, okay. I said, I'll try really hard. He said, because this is my life. I spend all Sunday planning out my entire week and all the doctors that I have to go visit. Right? That's me. He's like, I never thought I'd be in this stage and all the pains and aches and the things that I have to do. And I was like, but man, think of the influence that you can have. 
Think of all the doctor's offices that, even though it's difficult for you, the conversations that you can have with the front desk people, the people in the lobby, the nurses, and even the doctor who might be going from room to room to room. Man, we have such an incredible opportunity every single day to influence the people around us. Just imagine this. Imagine how many people you could influence who are on their way to the places they are going. Imagine changing somebody else's trajectory for the day and what that would do for them. So I'll leave you with this this morning. Oh, the places you'll go, right? Or what about all the places people will go after they meet you and that they know that they are loved and they're valued by you because you know that they're loved and they're valued by God. So here it is for you today, Shepherd's Gate. Congratulations. Today is your day. It even starts right after the service in the fellowship hall. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. Church, let's get on our way. Let's do what it is that he's called us to do. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we are so humbled by your mercy and your grace. God, you're so good to us, and you are so faithful to us, and you give us so many blessings in our lives. And God, help us to see the world through your eyes. Help us not get so fixated on our own lives, and help us not to get tripped up with all of the things that we have to do that we miss out on the encounters that are right in front of us, the people that you value. So God, help us continue to cultivate in our hearts and our lives what you have called us to do. That God, maybe the door would open for us that people would come to know you and we'd see the greatest transformation ever on the planet. So God, once again this morning, individually and as a church, we humble ourselves to you and we ask that you would lead and guide us all the days of our lives. In your name we pray, amen.